0: We come to you tonight in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have and the privilege of prayer. And as we come to you tonight, we ask you to minister to individual lives. We pray tonight for these who are hospitalized. We pray for these tonight who are facing um, um, terrible situations physically. We ask for your healing. Those who have COVID-19, pneumonia that are on ventilators God we just ask for your healing touch and power upon them we pray tonight Lord also for brother Hank's uncle Jim we ask that uh, you would touch him tonight as well and your will be done in his life and his body have your way in this remainder of this service tonight and bless your church and your people and we give you the praise for it in Jesus name And everybody said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we shut the Facebook off because they were saying there's no sound. And the mic's showing green, so I don't know what's wrong. We'll just shut her down. They'll have to come to church. Praise God. (laughs) That's all I know. That's all I could do. Amen. Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 9, if you will. Isaiah chapter number 9. I want to talk to you tonight, probably for the next couple of Sunday nights, on uh, what's in a name. What's in a name. And I believe that it was Shakespeare that said... Um, what's in a name he said that a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet and um, that may be true when it comes to uh, a rose but when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ there is something special about His name and about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 9, are you there? Isaiah chapter number 9, and they'll be putting it up on the screen. Verse number 6, Isaiah 9 and 6, and it says this. Very familiar verses, you all know these verses. And it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon His shoulder. And His name, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse number 7, of the increase of His government and peace there will be no end and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I love that verse of Scripture. For his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. For unto us... A child is born, and unto us a son is given. When a child is conceived and a pregnancy is confirmed, there's generally three questions that are immediately asked. First, they want to know when it's due. Second, they want to know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. And the third thing, have you selected a name? What are you going to name this child? And in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, the time that he was born was what Paul said in Galatians, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. So it was in the fullness of time, at the right time, at the perfect time, when God sent Jesus into the world. As far as his gender is concerned, the Bible says that he would be, called the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. But when it comes to His name, what His name will be, well, that's a little more involved. So we're going to examine some of the passages that prophesy the birth of the Lord Jesus and that tell us what His name shall be called. Of course, we know that His name is Jesus. Matthew 1.21 says, You will call His name Jesus. Jesus we read that verse this morning you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin Matthew 7 and 14 or I'm sorry Isaiah 7 and 14 says that his name shall be called Emmanuel and Luke 135 says that he shall be called the son of God These are all names and titles of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the passage of our text that we read there from Isaiah is so prominent this time of year. We preach messages, I've preached from this text before, uh, along different lines. There'll be ministers that'll be preaching from this particular passage in Isaiah during this Christmas season. But it's such a prominent verse concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and Him coming to the earth in His name because it's 750 years, 750 years before the star of Bethlehem ever shone in that night sky. 750 years before the angel choir gathered on the hillside of Judea and sang praises to the Most High God. It was 750 years before the shepherds were notified of the birth of the Savior and went to Bethlehem to worship Him. And all that, those centuries before the actual birth of Jesus took place, Isaiah tells us of a few names by which Jesus would be known. He said that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, in the Hebrew language, when that term is used to be called where it says that his name will be called, when they used that term, be called, it meant that the person spoken of will be what he is called. It's not just that a name was given, but the names actually meant something in those days. And that he would be or she would be what that name was called. So more than a surname or more than a proper name, the phrase indicates that the name will describe who he is and who he was in his nature. And so when Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, it means that he, sh- that he shall be called those things because he was those things. And he who was those things still is those things today and always will be those things forevermore. Can I get an Amen. Verse 6 there uh, also tells us, and we'll get into those names momentarily, but verse 6 gives us the profound truth there in that verse of the fact that Jesus Christ was both human and divine. He was the God-man. Jesus, and it's known, in th- uh, you know, it's known the name for that, the theological term is the hypostatic union of Christ that he was a 100% man, fully man, but at the same time he was fully, 100% totally divine, totally God. And uh, it tells us that in that verse where it says, unto us a child is born, tells us that he will be human. But there where he says, and unto us a son is given, tells us that he will be divine. One phrase says that He's the Son of Man, and the other phrase says that He's the Son of God. One phrase speaks of His earthly beginning, but the other phrase speaks of His eternal being. The one phrase speaks of His being the babe of Bethlehem, but the other one speaks of Him being the God of glory. One phrase tells us that he is coming to live with us, while the other phrase tells us that he's coming to die for us. And that's what Jesus did. And one of the mysteries of the Christian faith, one of the mysteries of our faith that the Bible teaches and talks about is that God came in the flesh. Unto us a child is born. John said it this way in John chapter 1 and in verse 1 he said, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God." But then in verse 14 he said, "...and the Word became flesh." and dwelt among us. That's what we know as the incarnation of Jesus when he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, amen, and, 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 and was given birth to, and God became a man. And that incarnation of Christ is a truth that is difficult to understand, but nevertheless, folks, it's a truth that must be believed in order for a person to be saved no one can be saved and deny the incarnation of Christ or deny the virgin birth and the only way that God could come and be incarnate in human flesh was to be born by a virgin and through that virgin birth and so that truth must be received and must be believed in order to be saved Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, he said that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So Paul said there that that... that the manifestation, the incarnation of Christ, God being manifest in the flesh is a great mystery. It's something that is, that is hard or difficult for us to comprehend or understand. But nevertheless, it's something that we believe and we accept and we receive it because the Bible teaches that. We can't try to figure everything out with our, with our mental reasoning, amen, or with our own understanding. We have to believe what the Word of God says. The carnal mind looks at the incarnation of Christ and the virgin birth of Christ and said, well, it's an impossibility. But the very words of the, of the angel to Mary when she questioned the fact was that with God nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. And that's true tonight. It's a mystery, and but it must be believed. The infinite became an infant, and eternity stepped into time, and God stepped into the flesh, and the Creator moved among His creation, and unto us a child was born. And that is what this, this season is all about, is God coming and being born as a little babe, but, you know, He's not a baby anymore. He grew up, and He was crucified and he was put to death and he rose from the dead and today he's seated at the right hand of almighty God unto us a child is born but then he went on to say this that unto us a son is given the child that was born was the son of man but the son that was given was the son of God how many are with me here tonight Isaiah seven fourteen. Isaiah prophesying again says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall, here it is, call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This very verse of Scripture in Isaiah seven fourteen and the verse in Isaiah nine and six. These verses speak of the fact that Christ was preexistent as God and preexistent with God. He was God and is God and was with God in the very beginning. See the son wasn't just born but the son was given. The child was born but the son was given. Jesus as one writer said Jesus was God packed in a package of bones and tied with a ribbon of flesh. The greatest gift that was ever given to this earth and was ever given to mankind was the gift of the son of God given to us so that we could have everlasting life and so that we could be saved Paul said it this way at writing to the church at Corinth he said and thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift you cannot Im- it's hard for us to imagine the uns- the greatness of the gift of the incarnation no wonder John the Baptist said this he said behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world this is he, John pointing to Jesus said this is he of whom I spoke saying after me comes a man who is preferred before me because he was before me, he always existed, Jesus did not come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem Manger. He always existed with the Father. Hallelujah. The second member of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus became flesh and came to this earth. And when he stood there on that Mount of Transfiguration and, and, and revealed himself and momentarily opened the veil of his flesh to Peter and James and John, those three men saw, literally saw, Heaven on earth, God tabernacled in flesh and dwelling among men. That's how much God loved us to come and sit to send His Son, to come and to be born our Savior, to pay the price for our salvation. The great Baptist preacher R.G. Lee said that Jesus is the only person ever born who at the moment of His birth was older than His mother and as old as His true father. The Father had to come up with some names that would capture who the Son was, who Jesus would be. He would be a Son and a Sovereign and a Sacrifice. And these names that were given to Him through these prophets, the names that were given revealed to us exactly who He was and who He is today. And Jesus had many titles and names by which he was known in the Word of God. But here in this text, Isaiah pulls out four very special names. There's five there, but we're going to put two of them together. And there's four special names and titles that describe these names of the Lord Jesus, describe his abilities, describe his wonderful abilities that he possesses and still possesses today. The first one is, it says that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. I put those together. And now, most, of, most Bibles have a comma between Wonderful and Counselor, and I've preached before on, one, on the name Wonderful. Some years ago I preached a message on how to have a wonderful Christmas, amen. And uh, Jesus is wonderful. How many would agree with that? He is wonderful. Praise God. You can't you can't explain how wonderful and glorious that the Lord Jesus is. But uh, I believe these two these two names literally go together that his name will be called wonderful counselor because because Jesus is the wonderful counselor can I get an amen, amen. you you know you can you, we all need counsel <laughs> we all we all need counseling <laughs> praise god and uh but, and you know you can go to people for counseling. You can go for to friends to get counseling. You can go to a professional counselor and pay them money to give you counseling. But uh, the best counsel that I know that you can get tonight is to be counseled by the great, wonderful counselor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. So, you, you know, you, you, if you try to get counsel from people, you can get. It is possible for you to get the wrong counsel. People can give you wrong advice and wrong counsel. How many of you know that's true? I I heard about a guy one time that asked his friend, he said, hey, when your dog had the mange, what did you give your dog for the mange? And the guy told him, he said, well, I gave him motor oil. And so one week later, the friend comes back to to the guy and he says, you know what, I gave motor oil to my dog and he died. And his friend said, you know, that's funny, my dog died too. He got wrong counsel. He got wrong advice. And there's always people willing to give advice. And that's why you need to be careful to what advice you take when you're taking advice from people. You know, when people come, when people come once in a while, I haven't had anybody in quite a while, but sometimes people would come to me for counsel. They would want me to counsel them. And I I don't like to use that. I don't like to use that that word counselor or to come for counseling. I, I always called it personal ministry because when I minister to people on a one-on-one on a one-on-one basis, and uh, what people call counseling, I I do it just like I would do it from the pulpit. In my office, I take the this book right here, and we open the Bible, and we find out what their problem is, and then we go to the Word of God to find from the wonderful counselor and from the true counsel what they should do about that situation. Because how many of you all know that Jesus Christ and the Word of God has an answer for every problem, a solution for every every situation that we face in our life. And so when we, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to a pastor for counsel, if you need it, for advice and for ministry, as long as he's going to give it to you from the Word of God. But I've always told people, I heard this, I believe it was John Osteen said it years ago, and it always stuck with me, that people that need counseling, he always tells them, if you need counseling, what you need to do is come to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, get your Bible out. Hear what I've got to say, what what the Holy Spirit is saying through the word of God and then put that into practice. And you know what if you'll do that, you'll probably never have to have any personal counseling. Amen. Because if you if you if you listen to the word of God, you will know what to do. I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will use a pastor from a pulpit to give advice and the word of God that will meet your situation, that will take care of your problem, that will settle your situation. How many believes that tonight? But Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Amen? Isaiah 28 and 29 says, the Lord of hosts is wonderful in counsel and excellent In guidance. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 24, Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. And the psalmist writes in Psalm one nineteen twenty four 24 and says, Your word is my delight and your testimonies are my counselors. What is? What are the counselors? Your word and your testimonies are my counselors. And you know, when people come to me for counsel and we get the Bible out and we, ad- we address the problem of the situation with the word of God, if they come back and still got the problem and I say, Say, did you do what, I, what what we found in the word did you put that to practice they said well no I didn't do that A counseling session's over right. I said it's over ain't no need in coming back five or six or seven times if you're not going to put into practice what the word of God tells us to do we've got to trust Jesus as our counselor. Amen. The word of God is the greatest counsel you will ever get and the greatest counsel that you will ever read will come from the word of God. And the greatest counselor that you can ever have will will, will be when you go to God's son. Hallelujah. When you encounter the word of God when you encounter the son of God, when you go to him for your counsel, you can say truly he is a wonderful counselor amen he is a wonderful counselor but then it says that he's the mighty god another name that is given by isaiah is that he's the mighty god that means that he is in control of all things come on somebody The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 3 that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Do you realize what that's saying? That Jesus is holding everything together by the word of his power. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If he's, you know, it says, the Bible says that by him all things consist he spoke these worlds into existence with his word that's power that's might he said let there be and there was is anybody here tonight that is mighty power hallelujah and he's holding everything together and he's upholding all things by the word of your power and if he's got this universe under his control and he's got this world under his control I'm going to tell you what if he's holding All that together by the word of His power, then your little bitty problem and my little bitty problem that we have is not gonna got not gonna um, hinder the Lord whatsoever. Amen. Our problem is not bigger than Jesus. Can you hear what I'm saying today? I know sometimes the devil makes it look like it, but there are no big problems to God. I said, there are no big problems to the Lord. A lady came to her pastor one time and she asked, asked her pastor, she said, is God really concerned about my little problems, my small small problems? And the pastor responded to her and he said, well, do you think that any of your problems are too big for God? There's not any problem too big. There's not any problem too small. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Come on. Can I get an amen? Because he is the mighty God the all powerful one there's nothing that's impossible with him and there's nothing that he cannot do if debt is your problem then the Lord the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want if depression is your problem he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother if disease is your problem He is the Lord that heals. He opens the blinded eyes. He unstops the deaf ears. He cleansed the lepers. He healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no problem that's too big for our God to solve. Hallelujah. 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 We think, well, death is a problem. Well, he's already conquered death, and he is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. We don't have, as Shambok used to say, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. Come on, somebody. He's the mighty God. Woo! hallelujah. Always oh, the mighty God. Then he said he's the everlasting father. The everlasting father. Here's a child called a father. Here's a son who's called everlasting. Literally, it says he shall be called the father of eternity. He shall be called the originator of eternity because he himself is eternal. The Eternal One came to give you and I eternal life. Jesus is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z and everything in between. Amen. He's the beginning and the end. He always was and He always will be. He is everlasting Father. Amen. Hallelujah. He came to this earth and He went to that cross and He hung there on Calvary for six hours and he died there on the cross he cried out that it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and he died and the disciples came down with their from from that place from that hill with their Eyes blinded by tears, their vision blinded by tears. They stumbled down from that place and they said, He is dead. And they never expected to see Him again. He had tried to tell them time and time again that He would die and then be raised again, but they just couldn't comprehend it. They never expected to see Him again. They said, He is dead. Three days and three nights he laid in that tomb. He was dead. But listen, something happened, ladies and gentlemen, on that third day. Because on that third day, something took place. There was something going on in the graveyard. Can I get an amen? Something took place in that tomb. God sent an earthquake, and that tomb that he was buried in began to shake. Those soldiers that were standing there guarding that tomb began to rattle. And the power of God hit them, and they fell fell out as dead men and an angel came down and an earthquake was shaking that stone the angel rolled the stone away from the tomb and on that third day the one that had died came back to life and was resurrected Jesus came out of that grave let me tell you something death could not hold him death stung him but death couldn't hold him the grave couldn't keep him he rose again from the dead and he is alive today because he is the everlasting father the everlasting one the beginning and the end and let me tell you something he is alive and well tonight Jesus is seated at the right hand of almighty God on his throne the everlasting one and I got news for you when I put my faith in him and you put your faith in him he gave you something that's everlasting as well. You've got life eternal life everlasting. Hallelujah. We're going to live together with him in eternity, the everlasting father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever the same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, the same Jesus who died on the cross, the same Jesus who came up out of that tomb. Is the same Jesus who's alive today. And he is from everlasting to everlasting. And by the way, he's the same Jesus that's coming back. To this earth, when those when Jesus ascended, those angels were at his side, and they were all watching him ascend to heaven. Those five hundred or so that were there that day, they saw him ascend to heaven, and those angels said, "You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus that you see ascending and going into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you saw him." go away he's coming back I can't say it enough it's on my heart it's on my mind Jesus is coming back there's a rapture getting ready to take place and that babe that was born that grew up and that died and that rose from the dead is coming back again he's coming back soon hallelujah looking for him any day and any moment he's the prince of peace too the Bible says He's the the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples, he said, peace. Oh, this is so precious. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you not as the world gives to you. And then he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. So he gave them a legacy of peace. And listen, he's given his peace to you and I. And he said, it's peace. He said, my peace I'm giving you, not not, not like the world gives. You know, the world can give peace, but the only peace the world can give you and me is when everything's going good, when everything's well. You know, when there's no trouble and there's no conflict, whew, we got peace. Everything's going fine. But there's, the peace of God is different than that because the peace is not like the world gives. Because listen, the, the peace the world gives when conflict hits, when trouble comes, when sickness hits, when problems come our way, then that peace goes away. But here's the difference in the peace that the Lord gives. His peace is a peace that can lay down in the ship in the midst of the storm and just snooze away while the boat's being tossed around peaceful because he knows that he's in the hand of God. That's the kind of peace that he wants to give you. A, a peace that, that doesn't deny the circumstances, that doesn't deny the problems, but to have the peace of God in our heart, guarding our heart and our mind even in the midst of the storms of life. And I'm going to tell you what, that's something you can't buy. You can't buy over the counter as a, prescri- uh, get it for, as a prescription. You can't get it in a bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam. Come on somebody. You can't get it in a Bud Light. Come on, amen. That kind of peace can only come. Oh, people, you know, they this time of year, they're partying, they're drinking away. They, they've turned Christmas into some big drunken party and they're, they, they think they've got to have all kinds of liquor and alcohol to celebrate the birth of Jesus and they're trying to drink away their troubles and just for a brief period of time while they're under the influence of that alcohol, then they, you know, they, they experience a little bit of peace but the next day, when that's war off they don't only have their peace gone now they got a headache to deal with too come on amen but I'm telling you I'm talking about a peace I'm talking about the prince of peace I'm talking about a peace that we have that passes all understanding I'm talking about a peace that you can have when everything's turned upside down and just knowing that you know that you know that the Lord is on your side and that he is gonna see you through cause he is the prince of peace his name his prince of peace he is what his name says he is can I get an amen politicians make promises of peace and safety and tranquility there's a lot of talk about peace in the Middle East between Israel and the Arab neighbors and i haven't really been keeping up with the news lately because a lot of it's fake <laughs> and i just <laughs> i just don't uh, i don't like to hear all the bad news i'd rather i'd rather get my bible out and put on an audio bible and plug my earbuds in and get my bible out and listen to the word of god i know i'm getting the truth there amen I'd rather listen to some good uh, some good preaching, some good Bible teaching instead of watching the news. So I haven't been keeping up with it much lately. But someone mentioned, or I saw somewhere, where they're talking now about 10 Arab nations or 10 nations coming together with, in, and, and joining in this peace treaty with Israel. And uh, of course... I, like i said i haven't really looked at it or studied it out but we do know that that before right before the antichrist comes to power that there will be a ten nation coalition that will come together in the Middle East formed under the old Roman Empire territory there in the Middle East and out of those ten nations out of one of those ten nations those are the ten horns on the beast out of one of those ten nations will come the little horn that Daniel saw who will be the man of sin the antichrist and I just said all that to say this wasn't in my notes didn't plan on it but I said all that to say this everything 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 from this coming vaccination and probably a mandate for everybody to take it everything is lining up and being set up for the rise of that man of sin for the antichrist to come he will come saying peace and safety but the bible says that when they say peace and safety sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape I'm trying to let you know tonight that we are at the end of the end we're at the end of this thing ladies and gentlemen and the Lord is coming soon to take his church out of this place <laughs> Woo! hallelujah Politicians are making those promises, and they will continue to do so, of peace and safety and tranquility. But let me be clear about this tonight, that talking won't bring peace, and treaties won't bring peace, and trade won't bring peace. And a new administration, should that be the case, won't bring peace. Are you hearing me? Amen. The only time that peace will come to this earth and the only only one that will bring peace to this earth will be the Lord Jesus Christ when he splits that eastern sky mounted on that white horse and he comes back and sets up his kingdom and his throne in the city of Jerusalem and rules and reigns on this earth under his millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. That is the only time true peace will come. He said there will be wars and there will be rumors of war. Oh, but he said, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must must come to pass. But the end is not yet. But I'm telling you what, there's coming a day that peace will rule and reign on this earth. Jesus is coming back to rule on this earth. The true prince of peace is coming. Then and only then, When Jesus comes back, sets up His kingdom on this earth, then will Isaiah's prophecy be fulfilled. In Isaiah 2 and 4, He says, Then, then, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. A nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more one day soon Christ will bring peace to the world but can I tell you that tonight he can bring peace to your world in the midst of turmoil amen hallelujah let me bring this to a close I'm just about done and it's only five. hallelujah hallelujah Isaiah speaks of his name, gives the names of the Christ child, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he talks about his authority, his perpetual authority, in verse number seven of that ninth chapter of Isaiah. And he says of the increase, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Hallelujah. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Talking about the kingdom of Christ on this earth, he's going to rule and reign, it says... And His kingdom will be established with judge, judgment and justice forever and forever. Are you listening to me? See, no, be no term limits to the reign of Jesus. But it will be a kingdom ruled on this earth of the Lord Jesus Christ with no end. That Christmas song we sang last week, Joy to the World... The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. And that song goes on to say He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love hallelujah Zechariah says this Zechariah says this in 14 and 9 and the Lord shall be king over all the earth are you listening to me and the Lord shall oh hallelujah the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one one Lord and his name is one see this is the one world government that I'm looking for are you listening to me this is the one world government that I'm looking forward to the antichrist will come first and we'll set up his one world globalistic government and religion but that will soon be brought down it will only last a short period of time for seven short years but oh there's a one world government that's coming. Coming to this earth under the Lord Jesus Christ, led by the President of all precedents, the Ruler of all rulers, the King of kings, and the Lord is Lord of lords, is going to rule and reign forever and forever, and nobody is going to stop him from reigning. I know people said in 2016, after the election, they said, well, Trump is not my president. But I'm going to say this, no one's going to say anything like that in Jesus' government. Hallelujah. Jesus will not contend with any cantankerous court or corrupt Congress. Are you listening to me? Because every knee will be bowing and every tongue will be confessing that Jesus is Lord. And when He comes back to rule and reign, He will be unelected, unimpeachable, unequaled, and nobody will put Him in office and nobody will take Him out. He's coming to rule in our power. And and in glory, the Prince of Peace, and there'll be no end to His rule and to His government. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what keeps me ticking. Keeps me going every day. Amen? Praise God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He's coming back to rule and reign on this earth forever. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Listen to it. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, here it is, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let the politicians put that in their pipe and smoke it today. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah! Of His kingdom there shall be no end. Would you stand with me tonight? He is, He is the wonderful counselor. Jesus is. His name's Jesus. He is the mighty God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Something about that name. Hallelujah. Master. Savior. Jesus.